Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to 2017. It has finally arrived. I know I, for one, am very excited to finally have this year begin, but not for the same reasons as a lot of people. If you're on Facebook, you probably see there's a lot of people that are saying 2016 was one of the worst years of their life. And fortunately for me, I have the opposite. 2016 was one of the best years of my life. I just particularly like the fresh energy that comes with January. But you know what? I'm not going to say that I didn't have a good year because I did. I had a lot of growth. I learned a lot of things about myself. I had a lot of moments of ahas and epiphanies. And I really wish the same for you. Even if you didn't have the most incredible year, I invite you to look at what you can have learned. What can be a teacher for you in your life? What can serve as a powerful teacher in your life from 2016? I hope that can at least give you some sort of inspiration so that you can leave 2016 on a good note and begin 2017 on the right foot and get excited for it and make goals and make plans and and get really clear on your vision for life and what you want without becoming too obsessed over it, of course. So I am very excited for that. Right now I am currently sitting in a huge beautiful bed in Keystone. I just went snowshoeing for the first time and I'm just relaxing. So I was like, hey, I should get this podcast together ready to go so I can put this out here whenever it's ready. So here I am. I only have a couple announcements today, but here is the review of the week. This comes from Tommy Flats and Tommy Flats says, go to podcast with five stars. Thank you so much for this podcast and all that you do to empower people to respect themselves in this very challenging world. This podcast was the first one I listened to when seeking help for disordered eating and it never disappoints. Listening to Maddie has been a lifesaver for me. Her honest, non-judgmental, and caring manner comes through in every episode and stays with me when I struggle still. Thank you, and keep up the amazing work. Thank you so much, Tommy Fless. You are so welcome. If you haven't left a review on the show, I'd greatly appreciate that. Each one goes red. Each one gets red. And I just really appreciate all of these reviews, and it helps me to know what really resonates with you. So thank you to each one of you who have done that. I also have my event coming up more than this, like I've mentioned on quite a few podcast episodes, January 14th and 15th. If you want to come to a live event with me, you can go to morethanthisevent.com and sign up for that there. Last but not least, before I introduce our guest today, I am getting my 2017 client list ready. So if you are interested in getting really serious about your goals, changing the things in your life that you keep saying you want to change on just having someone to talk with, to be coached through your deepest struggles, to share, to be vulnerable with. If you feel you're ready for that step, that very big step, might I add, then you can apply for my one-on-one coaching at maddiemooncom slash coaching. That's also on every single show notes page for the podcast episodes. So you can apply for that there. 
It is not for everyone. It is deep. It is intense. And I do an interview process with everyone that applies. But that's not to say that it might not be the absolute perfect thing for you and we could be a fabulous match. So if you want to be one of the three people that I'm taking on for the beginning of the year, please sign up for that for an interview slot at maddiemoon.com slash coaching and I will work with you. Right now I've been working with about seven incredible people. And it's been some of the most beautiful growth that I have seen in each one of their lives. And I can't wait to continue working with them. But I realize I have more room in my heart, in my life, and I'm ready to take on a few more people to be coaching with. So if you feel that this is a direction you are called towards, I invite you to meditate on it, think about it, ask yourself what you really want, um, what you would want to gain from it, and then apply. That would be awesome. So... For today's guest, we have on the beautiful Riley Banks Snyder. Riley Banks is the founder and executive director of Generation Next, a nonprofit she established at the age of 14. Generation Next has built and oversees a school in Kenya and runs a thrift shop and food pantry in Branson, Missouri to fund operations. Riley's heart is for Africa and for reminding every young person that they can do more to change the world than they could ever imagine. She lives in Branson, Missouri with her husband, Graham. If you want more information on Generation Next, you can go to generationnextcares.org. I had Riley on the show after she sent me her book, Riley Unlikely, and the story I found very inspirational. I mean, how many young 14-year-olds, first of all, are allowed to go over to Kenya to help build schools and play with the kids and bring toys and provide uh, hygiene kits, but how many of them want to do that? Riley was very individual and unique and special, and I had this feeling that she would resonate with a lot of listeners who also had these dreams and still have these dreams and want to help out in whatever ways they can. Riley has clearly dedicated her life to serving um, people and helping make this world a better place. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Very inspiring. If you want to read her book, I, I invite you to do so. I think it's highly inspirational. And that, again, is called Riley Unlikely. So I'm ready to get this on the road if you are. So let's head on over. You are now entering the Mind Body Musings podcast. If you find yourself hungry for growth, eager for inspiration, and longing for self-improvement, welcome home. Hosted by motivational speaker and life coach Maddie Moon, you can be certain you will learn how to change your life in magical ways in each and every episode. Are you ready to stop caring what other people think? Is it time you break limiting beliefs and empower your whole being? Do you know how to use the one life you've been given to the absolute fullest? Join Maddie Moon and her inspirational guests every Wednesday for the life-altering discussions on freedom, vulnerability, abundance, and so much more. For more insight, grab your free gift on MaddieMoon.com and uncover your own once-in-a-lifetime greatness within. If you have kind words to say, feel free to leave a review on the show in iTunes or send your favorite episode to a friend. We look forward to hearing your insights and growing together in unexpected ways. And now, without further ado, here's your host. Maddie Moon. Hey, and Happy New Year, because it's the first week of January, and I'm stoked for another beautiful year, 2017. I have a feeling it's going to be 
the best one yet. So I am here today with lovely Riley, who I just read her book, Riley Unlikely, with this beautiful story. I know I mentioned it. I mentioned that I was reading it in one of my newsletters. And a lot of you reached back out and were like, oh, that sounds awesome. That sounds so cool. And I've been really excited to be able to get Riley on the podcast to talk about how she's made such a difference in the world at such a young age. So Riley, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. The first thing we do on the show is let the guests tell a bit about their background and their story. So please give us a good overview of pretty much your book, but how you got to where you are today and some of the great things you're up to today. Yeah, well, I am 20 years old and I live in Branson, Missouri, and uh, the book is pretty much just about uh, my life since I was pretty much 13 years old and I went on my first mission trip to Kenya and just the life-changing experience that I had over there and um, you know just I think a lot of it was self-discovery I didn't really know who I was at 13 and I think a lot of young girls struggle with that and um, just how I've been able to grow so much since then but how you know the Lord has just given me so much purpose and plan and has driven me um, you know to be in this country full-time and work there and Um, And I love doing it. I tell people, like, I had this kind of image in my head of what my perfect life looked like here at the States. And it's just totally different now that um, I've just surrendered all of my life over to him. And uh, he's taken full control and made it so much better than I could have possibly imagined. So you said that when you were 13, you feel that every girl kind of struggles with who am I? What's going on with my body? Oh my gosh, what's happening in life? Um, How do you feel like going to Kenya and adopting such a big purpose and living out such a large passion contributed to that time for you? Uh, Yeah. So I tell a lot of people when I was 13 years old, I was really shy and quiet. I was just very introverted. And um, I tell people I didn't even like sitting in the class, like in the lunchroom you know, eating. I like to go to a classroom and be by myself. Um, and so I went on this trip where I was just totally put outside of my comfort zones. I had to talk to people and try and communicate, um, with people who didn't speak English. And, uh, you know, I, I saw so many things that I didn't see here in the States, you know, kids that didn't go to go to school every day that didn't get that opportunity to get to go to school and kids that were hungry because they maybe only got, you know, a couple meals a week. And, um, you know, I was just able to really reflect back on myself and realize how fortunate I was. Um, you know, I have an incredible family who has taken such good care of me and, um, I've just been given so much in this life. And I knew that, um, when I came home that I could do something, you know, about some of the things that I had seen. Um, one of those was, you know, school supplies. These kids were sharing pencils. This whole classroom was sharing a little stubby pencil and, um, you know, I was like, I can start with pencils. I'm one pencil, year- right? Yeah, one pencil. And I knew that I could start with pencils. And so I came home and I was just so driven and so passionate about this place who, you know, these people that were just so thankful and grateful for everything that they had. And I knew I wanted to make a difference and help in some possible way. Mm, Okay, awesome. I love that so much. So will you tell us a little bit more about the behind the scenes of what it looked like when you went for your first trip? Yeah, so my first trip, uh, I kind of tell people, uh, whenever I was first asking my parents, it was because my aunt and uncle were going to be serving over there for six months, and they had told us about um, them going and serving, and they had served in several different countries before, and I always always heard about 
um, other places through them. And so one day I asked my mom and dad, I was like, hey, what do you think about maybe going and visiting Logan and Julie? And um, they just kind of looked at each other and, and me and were like, well, I don't really see why not. And so um, before I knew it, after lots of fundraising, um, my dad and I were on our way to Kenya for two weeks. And my first week I was there, I helped serve in the neonatal unit. And um, what that pretty much just looked like was me going in and helping feed babies. And I tell people, you know, the very first time I went in, I was just so overwhelmed. Um, it was just very different than, you know, an American hospital. And, you know, the babies didn't have diapers. And so I had to clean up my baby. Um, and I didn't have a bottle. So I was having a really hard time feeding my baby out of a little plastic cup and um, just got so overwhelmed that I ended up passing out. I did not have the baby in my hands, thank goodness. And um ended up passing out. And I was just so disappointed in myself that I wasn't able um able to finish what I had come there to do that day. And uh, I was like, that was my one job today. Like I could have totally been able to do that, but uh, I just got so worked up and was just very out of my comfort zone and apparently couldn't handle it the first time. And so um, I was able to go back another time and help feed triplets and it kept getting better after that. Um, But that's kind of what my first week looked like. And then my second week, we went and stayed at a place called Mosap Orphanage, which also has a school on their campus. And so my dad and I would help first and second graders learn English, just small words like ball or bear. And so the teacher would write it up on the blackboard and our job was to kind of help them form those letters on their piece of paper. And so the very first student I went to had a really stubby short pencil and um, I was kept looking for another utensil to use and they didn't have it. And so we just worked with what we had. And um, I noticed like after I helped that one student and moved on to the next one, the kid I had just helped passed their pencil onto the kid I was getting ready to help. And it ended up that every kid at my table used this little pencil. And I just kept thinking, you know, they finally get to come to school. Like their parents came up with the money or they found a sponsor, but they don't have the necessary equipment that they needed to learn. And, you know, I had brought toys from home thinking, you know, that's what Kenyan kids need. And it's not at all what they need. Were they very, you know, happy to have those things? Absolutely. But they would love school supplies you know, crayons, pencils, things that we take for granted every day here. Um, you know, they would love to be able to have those to learn in a bigger way there. And so um, after that trip, I came home and just couldn't stop talking about it. And with the help of my mom and locals here in Branson, we were able to start a nonprofit called Generation Next uh, to supply kids with school supplies. That amazes me so much. First of all, that you were encouraged to do that by your parents. So personally speaking, and I think for a lot of people, when you're a kid, especially from the ages of 13 to 14 and 15, parents kind of keep their kids on lockdown because like that is a scary thing, like Kenya especially. Like I wanted to go to London to study abroad when I was in college and my parents didn't even want me to do that. But (laughs) I can't even imagine being able to go at that age to Kenya and serve what do you have any advice for parents like people who have children who want to do these kind of things? Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, I'm as being a young person still, and my parents are still kind of, you know, obviously cautious about what we're doing and concerned for our safety, you know, for our safety. And, um, I guess my biggest advice is to realize that, um, Yeah, it's important to love on your kids and want to protect them, but also realize that they're here for a bigger purpose Um, and allowing them to 
to kind of figure out what that is, is going to be huge and it's going to be hard on you. And, um, it's going to be putting your kids out of their comfort zone, but it's really going to be putting you out of your comfort zone. And, um, you know, Kenya is a, you know, can, can be a place where you go, Oh, well, that's scary. And, um, but you know, a lot of, a lot of my parents' trust came from the fact that my aunt and uncle were going to be there already. And so, um, you know, I would just really encourage you, you know, to put a lot of prayer and thought into it, but realize that your kids are here for a much bigger purpose than being protected by you all the time. You know, they're here to serve, um, to serve the Lord and figure out what their calling and purpose is in their life. And I think it's really important that you're there, um, coming alongside them and helping that, helping them figure that out. Do you have any insight to what you think would be the biggest inhibitor today for more people in America doing what you're doing? Is it fear? Is it money? Is it time? Is it uh, maturity? Is it uh, relationships? Is there something that you think mostly holds people back? Maybe you hear people say, I wish I could do what you're doing, but I have X, Y, Z going on or something along those lines. Yeah, I know all of those things are definitely definitely play a factor. And, um, I guess, you know, as a parent, a lot of times I hear, um, it's fear. Um, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world right now and, and we're worried for our kids and for our kids future. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm too worried about, you know, something happening. Um, and then, you know, maybe for kids it's money. They're like, well, I have a job, but, uh, you know, I got to save up for college, but I want to go and do big things like big trips like this and serve in and serve incredible ways. Um, so, you know, I think those are the two biggest things are, are money and um, fear of just the world around you. But I would just I'd say, you know, for fear of, of the things going on in the world is you've got to get out there and experience other parts of the world to fully understand what's going on in it. Um, we don't always understand what is going on or the people behind what's going on and um, getting involved in cultures and things like that just opens up so much. Um, and I think it's really important that we, we get to understand those that um, we might be fearful of and understand that, um, you know, you know, there's just so much going on in the world and um, to be brave in those moments. And as for money, um, you know, it's hard as a young kid who has a part-time job because they have school and, um, they might play sports or they might be in drama club or things like that. Um, but just know that if that is a problem for you, that, you know, there are other ways to fundraise and um, know that you can fundraise in other ways than just using that salary that you take off of your part-time job. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. I love that. So much good advice there. Do you, uh, just a side note, I want to go back to, to this and the amazing work you're doing, but I'm just curious, do you travel around the world for fun and for pleasure? Yeah, I absolutely love to travel. Um, I just got married in May um, of 2016 and uh, married my high school sweetheart. And we did a ton of traveling this year. Um, For our honeymoon, we went to Costa Rica. Um, We had a day in between there to pack and get ready for our time in Kenya this summer. And from Kenya, we went to Paris and London. um, And I've been on a trip to Israel. And yeah, I love traveling and I love seeing other parts of the world and I'm experiencing different cultures. What is that like to be a, you said you're 20, right? I am, yeah. To be a 20-year-old bride. I feel like that is so (laughs) young. I'm 25 and I'm still like, what is life? What am I doing? To be married at that age is so young. Do you have any like insight to what that's like or some of the maybe lessons you've had to learn on on a high speed? 
Yeah, um, yeah, we've got we got married really young. Um, I really had just turned I turned 20 May 7th and got married the 22nd. So um, I was really new to 20 years old. And so um, I have known my husband now um, pretty much my whole life. We went to elementary school together. We were best friends in junior high school. Um, and our best, you know, our friendship just kind of bloomed into a relationship in high school. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people worry about, you know, that kind of switch over from dating to marriage. And um, I had a Bible study leader and when I was in like sixth grade and I wasn't even thinking about marriage then, but she said, you know, don't ever date anybody if you don't have the intention of maybe marrying them. If they don't, you know, if they have qualities that you don't see yourself with um, in the future, then don't even, you know, explore that relationship. Um, you know, she really encouraged me to be intentional with every person that you date. And, uh, you know, I kind of liked a boy in junior high school that I, you know, I thought I liked, but, um, you know, my only boyfriend was, you know, my husband now. And so, um, you know, I would just encourage people to date with, you know, very intentionally and, um, yeah, I guess being young is, is fun. It's being, it's been fun being young and being married and we're learning a lot about each other, but also, um, the things outside of school, um, you know, that you don't, that you don't learn in school, like what's it like to pay bills and what is personal property tax? I didn't know that, like, you know, things like that. And, um, but it's been a ton of fun and I would just really encourage, you know, young girls and if there are some young boys, you know, maybe listening, um, to be so intentional with one another when you're dating and, um, to just treat each other with the utmost respect and, um, that, you know, just learn to put each other first. And, uh, yeah, that's, I guess that'd be some of my advice, but other than that, it's been, been a ton of fun. No, that's great. That's great advice. And I think that's for any age is to, is to date with intention always, because I think it's very easy to get caught up in just wanting to date and date and date like this certain person or multiple people or whoever that don't really resonate with you and you're so physically attracted to them that you're like whatever we have totally different um morals or values or beliefs in this area and that area but it's fun for right now and you know what i have no judgment against that i think for sometimes that it's good just to be around someone and date someone for a bit because they're an opposite of you and they get you they give you new perspective i have found value of that in my life but that doesn't normally last for me i i have a certain amount of things that i definitely know are important for me in a relationship and so if they don't have that then i know that it's probably not going to be a lifelong thing so that's great advice i love that thank you thank you um so let's see what else do i want to ask you about um what is one of the most challenging things that you've seen doing your mission work with young kids? Like I know the pencils, but maybe for girls, especially, is there anything that goes on with them that you wish more people had awareness of and were trying to help in whatever way they could? Yeah. So one of the you know biggest obstacles that young girls face in Kenya um, is you know, whenever you get into secondary school, which is the equivalent of our high school here, they end up boarding. And so what that means is you'll live um, like maybe three months on and then you'll leave, you'll have three months off of school. And so a lot of times whenever girls are on their off 
um, off time of school, those three months, they will have to end up turning to prostitution uh, to get money, to get those things that girls, you know, need every month in um, those sanitary napkins and things like that. And so um, they'll be, you know, have to turn to prostitution. And then a lot of times, you know, they don't end up getting the money or they'll get HIV or AIDS or they'll end up getting pregnant and don't go back to school anyways. And so I had heard this. It was, I think it was my my second trip to Kenya, I had, you know, had a headmistress of his school uh, tell me this, and I was just devastated. I was like, that is not fair. You know, I, I'm these, the same age of these, as these girls, and um, I can't even possibly imagine having to deal with something like that, and I don't think that any girl should have to deal with anything like that. Um, and, and, you know, it's hard for them to have jobs. I mean, you're boarding at school, so how are you going to have a job to get the money to get that stuff anyways? Um, and so then you just have a short term, you know, that's what they turn to those short months that they're off. And so I knew right away that I wanted to try and meet that need. And so we started doing what we call hygiene kits. And so we take, um, like toothbrushes and toothpaste, bar soap, um, sanitary napkins, which we have a nonprofit here in our state called Project Patricia, and she makes reusable pads. Um, and they're huge, you know, they're a huge blessing for those girls over there. And um, we do take disposable ones as well, but the sanit- you know, the reusable ones they can, you know, wash and reuse. Um, and so we, we started taking those and it, you can already tell it's making a huge impact on those girls' lives and they are just so excited every single time like we show up and we have these things for them. I mean, they cheer after every single thing. I'm like, well, it has, you know, toothbrush and you just hear screaming and toothpaste and, you know, they're so excited and so grateful for those things. And, um, you know, we're just saving so many girls from having to resort to such um, a horrible thing. And, um, it's been a huge blessing for them, but also for us to just see how, how it's affected them in their life. Mm, that's really heartbreaking. Like that is so sad. I was, when I was reading your book, I was like, wow, I never really even thought of about that. And that's, that's what I was thinking is like how obvious it is that they're not available. They're, the things that they need are not everywhere. They're not always available. So yeah, they do have to go to links to get them. But then when you actually think about what they have to do to be able to make money or to get the things that they need, it's so heartbreaking and it's so sad. Um, whenever you do this type of work and something seems to not go exactly according to your plan, how do you surrender to the how of the way things work out and just trust? Because that's a huge theme in everyone's lives is just the struggle of trusting and surrendering. How have you been able to do that, especially when you have big plans and big things that you want to see come uh, to happen? Uh, yeah, it's been, you know, when you have moments where you think you have a plan and that you've you know, you've come up with every single thing that you could do to make this plan go right. You even have like plan B and sometimes plan C. Um, and then it's like you get there and none of those plans work out or something doesn't work out and, um, you just get disappointed. I mean, you're, you know, you've worked so hard for a year to fundraise and collect and do things and you might get somewhere and it doesn't work out. Um, it can be hard. Uh, and you kind of go, well, Lord, what was your purpose in that? Like, I just worked so hard and and it didn't work out. Like, why didn't you let this happen for us? And, um, and it's easy to get frustrated. And um, because, you know, in my mind, I've put so much of my life out there. 
um, for other people um, to just kind of look at me and go, well, you know, she didn't, she didn't make that happen this time. And, you know, I have people like that all the time that just doubt me all the time. And whenever something doesn't go according to plan, I just kind of am mentally beating myself up. Um, but just knowing that, you know, it may have been, you know, in this moment where it was a calling and, um, it was one of those things that it was just, you know, I want to see how you respond and I want to know that you're going to respond and put yourself out there, um, to do this. And, you know, it doesn't always work out, but to not get disappointed, you know, things end up working out anyways. Um, a perfect story for this. Sometimes I, you know, it wasn't very super clear, but the very first year we were taking our hygiene kits and we didn't have any sanitary napkins about a month before we were about to leave. And I'm freaking out and I'm like, what are we going to do? Like we're a small organization. We don't have the funds to be able to buy, um, sanitary napkins. And so I'm, you know, I'm saying all this to my mom and she says, you know, if it doesn't work out this year, it doesn't work out. And, you know, like, I'm like, that's not really the answer I'm wanting to hear, but okay. And, um, you know, ends up about an hour later, my grandma, who's a substitute nurse, um, at a school here in Missouri. And she's like, Hey, I just got, you know, this school has like three cases of sanitary napkins and wanted to know if you all would want them. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. Of course. And then, you know, my mom gets the idea to call our school nurse because it's the same program throughout Missouri that, you know, gives these, uh, provides them for the high school girls. And, um, you know, she calls our school nurse and our nurse is like, yeah, you know what? We just got nine cases shipped in today. You can just totally have them all. And, you know, by the end of the day, we had 12 cases of sanitary napkins, which was the one thing that we needed and the one thing I was freaking out about. And, um, you know, it's just interesting how I'm always trying to control every single little thing. And whenever I just, you know, surrender those things that bother me or that I'm worried about, you know, God just totally takes over and goes, you know what, honey, I got it under control. I need you to trust me and to have faith in my timing and in the plan I have for this. And so a lot of times I think it's more about me getting caught up in the fact that I need to take care of every single thing whenever I know I can't. So um, that's kind of <laughs> an interesting way to explain it. But yeah, I mean, it can be hard, but just knowing that, um, that someone's definitely taking care of it for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's something that I talk a lot about in the show is that beautiful balance between controlling what you can and surrendering to everything that you can't. And it's like the serenity prayer. It's just such a beautiful way to be living your life. You can have these goals and have these dreams and visions, but not become attached to them and not become attached to the how. So don't become attached to if it even happens at all and don't become attached to how it will happen if it's supposed to. Because a lot of times there are plans that are way bigger than we can even imagine that are waiting for us. Huge things that we're capable of, that we're meant to live out, dreams, goals, whatever it may be. And if we have our eyes so locked on what we think is supposed to be, we could be missing out on these big doors that open that lead us to something so much more powerful, so much better for us, something that will give us way more purpose than the other thing was. So I understand how it can be hard to not put your eggs in a basket if you're excited about something. And I know you have experiences with this, like the one you mentioned, but more so than that, other things that you've been excited that were going to work out and 
um, didn't absolutely work out the way you thought. And people, if anyone's interested in other things, they can uh, pick up your book, Riley Unlikely. But um, it was very inspiring to be able to read about these large scale things that you experienced and went across to a different country to see happen. And they didn't even really go through the way that you thought that they would and just learn to trust and, and feel it to heal it. So if you have heartbreak about it, feel it and have no judgment towards yourself for feeling upset, but be able to trust that there's a plan for everything and the good times and the bad times. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you say is one of the, um, most exciting things happening in your life right now? Uh, Right now, you know, um, I would say, well, you know, this book just released, you know, Riley Unlikely just came out in September. Um, and that's been very exciting for me. You know, people keep asking me, they're like, oh, did you ever have the intention of writing, you know, a book? And I'm like, well, no, not really. Um, you know, it just kind of happened. And um, this has been a huge thing going on in my life since we started. I ended up quitting college to write in um, you know, so much of myself is in this story, obviously. I mean, it's all, it's about everything, but I just, I've tried to be so vulnerable and just tell it how it is, because I think that's, you know, that's how you connect with people is you're just real and you're raw with one another. And so I think, you know, that's been huge. And I've, you know, I've of course been worried about how people are going to take it and how people or what people are going to think about it. And, um, you know, you get, you get some harsh comments about it. I have had a few where I'm kind of like, Oh man, that hurt, you know? Um, but I've also had people who have just been so, so encouraging. Um, so I, I just really encourage people to, you know, to read that and understand that I'm trying to be real with you all and um, be vulnerable and just, you know, understand that, yeah, a lot of incredible things have been happening in my life, but that doesn't mean that I haven't struggled the whole way that I don't have things that are hard for me to talk about. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's just how we connect with one another is we decide to be real with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And an exercise that might be helpful for you and anyone else who struggles with rejection or criticism is to go to Amazon and look at the reviews of your favorite author and look at the one star reviews. That's something that's really helped me is like whenever I get people that criticize me, I'll go read the reviews of a book that I adore. I love go read the, the one star reviews and see if this person can get criticized. Anyone can be criticized. I can of course be criticized if this person can be criticized. And that's helped me a lot just because no one is immune to criticism. If you could be the juiciest peach in the world, but still someone will not like uh, peaches. That's just how it is, right? Yeah. So like when you can, the sooner you can begin to realize that and be okay with that and come to terms with that and realize that approval and growth do not mix. The minute you stop craving approval from everyone, you can finally grow. So it's a beautiful gift to be able to learn. I know that it's tough and it takes tough skin to put out something into the world and receive comments, negative comments and criticism, but I can speak from my own experience that it does get easier and you become the stronger and stronger and stronger you become within what you're doing. Of course, you're already very strong in what you're doing, but um, by putting it out into the world, the way easier it gets, it becomes whenever people say they don't like it because it really doesn't matter. <laughs> it really doesn't matter. And the right people who are supposed to get what you are sharing will resonate it with, with it and resonate with it intensely. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. And I loved it. And I know my audience will love it. So oh, 
before we wrap this up, where can people connect with you online? Yes. So we have a Facebook or sorry, we have a website and it's generationnextcares.org. And then we also have a Facebook. It's our generate just generation next. Um, And we pretty much post on there daily, just what we're doing, what's going on within our ministry. Um, So those are our two ways you can get involved with our ministry and see what we're up to and see what ways you can help. Um, You can also pick up Riley Unlikely uh, at Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. You can go online, Amazon, um, Walmart, Target. Um, it's, it's in a lot of other bookstores, but pretty much available anywhere books are sold. And so those are, um, you can pick that up and read about us, but you can also go online and see what we're doing. And, um, you can email me if you have questions about, about our organization. And if you're interested on going on a trip with us, let me know. Um, we love having people come with us during our summertime trips. Awesome. That's so, that's so amazing. 20 years old and how you have your book in Walmart and Target and Barnes and Noble and like everywhere. That's amazing. That's huge. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> fangirling right now. Um, so we have a quick fire round, semi-quick. It's kind of like you have to, normally people have to take a second to think about it. But if you're up for it, then we can go for it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. What are three words to describe you? Um, shy, ugh, happy, and driven. Okay. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be besides where you currently live? Kenya. Yeah, okay. I thought you were going to say that. Um, what did you eat for breakfast? Ooh, I think I had cinnamon toast crunch. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. What's your morning routine? My morning routine um, is getting up, having breakfast with a cup of tea, and I normally sit down with uh, – I have a devotional book that I'll read or um, – or sometimes spent in my Bible, just depending on which one I'm, you know, feel like doing that day. Um, obviously, normally they most, but normally both mix. Um, but that's that, and then I get ready for my day, shower, um, and head off to work. What is your favorite nickname? Mm, my favorite nickname. My mom calls me Bug. I don't mm-hmm. have any idea how that got started, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I kind of like it. It's kind of cute, though. Um, who are three people you'd invite to the perfect dinner party? Mm, perfect dinner party. I would invite my husband. Um, my mm, man, only three. And my best friend, Cassie. We've known each other since like preschool. And of course, my mom. I love having my mom anywhere I am. So, so out of the entire world, it would be those three people for anyone I you think, can have. I think it would. I wow. love having people I love like that I know um, just because they're always making me laugh and smile. So I love having a good, good conversation with people that I love around me. Well, that's nice. It sounds like you could pretty much have the perfect dinner party anytime you wanted. Anytime. I know. (laughs) Um, What's your favorite meal right now? My favorite meal. Okay. This is, I'm a newlywed. So right now I'm not super awesome at cooking. So right now it's probably hamburger helper. (laughs) So (laughs) if love tasted like a flavor, what would it be? Hmm. I think it would taste like chocolate-covered strawberries. Mm, Good one. Everyone always says something with strawberries. Like, I get strawberry ice cream, I've gotten strawberries and cream, and now I have chocolate and strawberries. Mm. So funny. Uh, (laughs) What is, what would your job be if you joined the circus? 
Ooh, I would want, I would want to be, this probably sounds really weird, but a contortionist, like someone who could like do like bend in so many different ways. It'd be really weird. Oh, I think it's cool. <laughs> I, I have, I know a couple of people actually who can pretty much be a contortionist and it's uh-huh. incredible. It's kind of gross, but it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what's a, besides your book, what's a must read book? Ooh, Redeeming Love by Francine Rivers. Okay. And last question, if you had a movie about your life, who would cast, who would you cast to play you? I would want to cast Anne or Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Oh, great. I could see that. Totally. <laughs> awesome. Well, Riley, thank you so much for coming on to episode 134. This was a great conversation and I'm so glad you're doing the wonderful work that you're doing in the world. So thank you for being such a bright light. Thank you so much for having me. Y'all, if you want to get her book and if you want to check out her links and all the other stuff that we talked about in this episode, you can go to my website, mattymoon.com. And you can also get your free course, How to Powerfully Live Your One Life. It is a five-part course. I would love to hear your thoughts on that. And I am so excited about this new year. I hope you're coming to the event in uh, January. More than this in Boulder, Colorado. Would love to see you there. You can get more in- information and you can get your last-minute tickets at morethanthisevent.com. And that's all for today. Thanks, guys, for listening. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.